0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Agree to Disagree. I'm Noah Schwartz, your host for this week, alongside Aiden Chard, Dean Gutick, and Jack Asello. So we are so excited today because we have our first ever guest here on the show. We're so excited to have Seth Cantor. He's an IC grad in the class of 2003 and now works as a broadcaster in the New York market. He works as the radio play-by-play man for the New York Boulders, a baseball team in my area, and has worked at a few local radio stations as well, including wfan and 1010 wins in new york so we're so excited to have him on seth how are you doing
1: doing well always happy to help out my ithaca friends guys thank you for having me
0: no problem Thanks. so the Thanks first thing i on. want to ask you, you the first thing i want to ask you is about cortica this was supposed to be cortica week and it's not happening now obviously oh, wait, was it yeah this is Cordica yeah. week. Uh, a year ago we were at medlife great. stadium what was your best cortica memory from your four years of college
1: Oh, boy, my best cortica memory. All right. So the first year that I was at Ithaca College, um, I was a sideline reporter for WICB. And I was actually able to interview a police dog on the sideline (laughs) during the game. So I had an interview with a police dog during the sideline. Boy, there were so many memories. Uh, There were so many great games when I was there. So I would have to say the one that stands out to me was my sophomore year. Cortland had a home stadium. It was a mud pit. It was called Chugger Davis field, all grass. It was a rotten, terrible day. And Ithaca was leading late. And on a fourth down, Ithaca had the ball deep in their own territory. I think what they were trying to do was get a first down and kill some clock, but they decide to run an option play. The ball gets fumbled. Cortland recovers. I think they're down by four or five. So a touchdown would have won the game. Cortland gets the ball back, but Ithaca stands defensively. and Ithaca wins the game. So I would say that was probably my fondest memory of Cortico. It was really a very tense situation as those games tend to be. But I would say that would be number one on my list. In addition to the police dog.
2: I just have a, uh, you know, you mentioned being a sideline reporter in your first year. So, like, that's one of the things that I've loved about Ithaca. Do you think that getting the experience from day one has
1: helped you move on in your career? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Everything that I've accomplished in my career, I owe to Ithaca College. What I started at Ithaca, my goal, as and I think everybody's goal at Ithaca, is to be the play-by-play voice for the football team. No disrespect to the other programs. That's just the premier job. So how did I get there? I was a DJ on VIC at 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock on a Saturday morning. So while my friends in college were doing whatever it is they were doing at that hour, prank calling me, I was DJing and playing songs like All I Want from Toad to Wet Sprocket. I'm really dating myself right now. <laughs> so that's how I started. I started as a DJ on VIC. And I remember... I don't know when you guys, I know you're not in school right now, but I remember at my very first sports meeting or one of my first sports meetings, they needed somebody, it was a Monday and they needed somebody on a Wednesday to go cover a field hockey game, do play-by-play on WICB for a field hockey game. So everybody was hesitant and they needed somebody to step in. So I raised my hand. I'd never covered field hockey before. So I stepped in and I covered field hockey. It was, a situation where I had to set up, I don't know if you guys still use what's called the RPU up there, the antenna that WICB uses to broadcast games on campus as opposed to using a Comrex or a mixer, which is what I used, but it involved a technical setup that I'd never even done before. I had no idea. I had to go call a sport that I'd never even watched before, but it was a great experience because it made me uncomfortable and it proved that when you raise your hand and you say yes to opportunities that might be a little bit out of your comfort zone it opens up the door to other opportunities and what do i mean by that you know eventually i started calling football games on vic i don't know if vic and icb both do the football games anymore but i started doing football on vic second semester sophomore year i became The sports director for ICB, a job that I held for nearly two years that I started doing play by play. So by raising my hand and calling a sport that I'd never really called before, even before that DJing for music that didn't really interest me, but knowing it would open the door for another opportunity, it proved to be a valuable experience. So that's why I chose Ithaca because I knew I could get that hands-on experience right away.
3: Yeah, definitely. One of the things that you hear so often, at least when you're going in, like I also toured Syracuse, I think what all of us have done so far—we're we, in the middle of our second year. We would have never have gotten even close to being to accomplishing what we have so far if we were at Syracuse. They, yeah, you have to wait sometimes till junior year. So Ithaca really gives you an opportunity to make yourself known. I like the Rangers
1: decal in the background too. Good choice. Thank you.
3: I'm Absolutely. the only Ranger, I'm the only Ranger fan on here.
1: Can you believe that? What else do we have here? We have Islanders and Devils fans.
0: I'm an Islanders fan. Yeah, Islanders fan. Uh, I'm Bruins. I'm from Massachusetts, so uh, yeah, we'll We're, we're weird yeah. on the show. We've got one Saints fan, Aiden, and then we've got a Clippers fan, in Dean. Me and Jack are the New Yorkers, but the other two guys, they they've got their weird mix of teams that they root for. And yeah, they're all really okay. Okay, Lakers fan Noah. Oh, oh,
1: oh yeah, goodness. whatever. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the only.
3: I'm the only true New York. Like all, only teams I root for are New York.
1: Oh my goodness. Well, I'll say this. I'm a Rangers fan saying this. The Islanders right now are probably among the most stable franchises, even though the yeah. Rangers are in the midst of a rebuild right now. Yeah, so the Islanders are probably one of the premier teams in New York at the moment. And they've done fairly well over the last couple of years with Lou. Well, st- speaking of stable
0: franchises, we had a baseball team that was sold just a couple of weeks ago and mm. it became official just the other day on a press conference. I'm a huge Mets fan. What were your thoughts as a New Yorker on the Steve Cohen Sale uh, for the New York Mets.
1: Oh my goodness! How could you not be thrilled? I mean, he hit that press conference out at the park, and I actually think he downplayed what he's going to do just a little bit. He said the Mets wouldn't go out and spend like drunken sailors, but you already hear that the Mets could be in play for Trevor Bauer. You know, there's a love fest going on between Sandy Alderson and Trevor Bauer in the media. I don't know if they'll be able to land a guy like JT Realmuto. I'm wary about paying a 30-year-old catcher a lot of money for the next seven or eight years, whatever it might take. But I think it's clear right now the Mets are going to be players, whether it's by free agency or whether it's by trade. And on the other side of town right now, you know, the Yankees just came out and said they lost a ton of money. So the question I have from a Yankees standpoint, not to make this a Yankees versus Mets thing, what I liked about Cohen was the fact that he didn't come out and take on the Yankees. He said the Mets want to build their own culture. And he was competing with 29 other teams, not just the Yankees, which I thought was a very wise move in a market like this. But, you know, the Mets could be players in free agency. And then you look at the Yankees right now, are they even going to bring back a guy like D.J. LeMahieu? And what are they going to do about their catcher situation? They're talking about guys like Yadier Molina, who I don't think is a long term answer, but they might be able to get him on the cheap. So I think the Mets are in position right now. If they do things the right way, they can grab a lot of attention in this town. And if you're a Mets fan, how could you not be thrilled? Yeah,
3: yeah, no, really and I, have, yeah, no, and I have been absolutely thrilled. Um switching from an, or- an organization that looking like it's turning the corner to one that's at the bottom of the barrel. Let's talk about the New York Jets. Mm. as you As you probably know, Monday the Jets looked like they almost had a chance of getting a win. And Adam, and then the brilliant mind of Adam Gase, they blew a <laughs> ten point lead with six minutes to go. What do you think – do you think that set Adam Gase's fate? Do you think he's definitely out after the end of the season? And also, with Sam Darnold having injuries, do you think it's time they move on from him?
1: So I think Joe Douglas coming out and supporting Gase is something that Joe Douglas had to do about a week ago. I know Jets fans went crazy because at least this is a sign that they're going to keep Gase Listen, If the Jets lose every game, I don't see how they're going to keep the head coach. I think Joe Douglas – just came out and did what he had to do in backing Adam Gase right now. You don't don't want to set a dumpster fire in the middle of the season. And I don't think firing the coach right now is going to do much good at this point. I think the 2020 Jets season is set in stone. We all know what's going to happen. So I do think the Jets turn the page after the season ends. I do think they move on from Gase. The only thing that scares me, the only thing that worries me about potentially keeping Gase is he has a relationship with Joe Douglas. And yeah. it might be determined because the Jets, you know, they've had some missing pieces this year. They've been especially banged up at their wide receiving core. And I thought you saw on Monday night, a glimmer of what they could potentially do if Darnold had all of his, not, not Darnold, but um, I know Flacco is in, but um, I think you potentially saw what they could do if they had all their weapons on offense and what Darnold could potentially have with them if Darnold's healthy. But at the same time, I just I think if you if you have a situation where the Jets go one and 15, 0 and sixteen after what happened last year, you turn the page. And if you look at a situation where you have a chance to get a game changing quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, and all indications are that he's got a shot to be really great you know what, you probably buy yourself some time instead of paying Darnold. Quarterbacks make money. Darnold's going to get some sort of payday. It's not going to be as rich as some other quarterbacks might get, but you're in a position now where you're going to have to pay Sam Darnold. So by drafting a guy like Trevor Lawrence – you know, what you do is you reset the clock a little bit and you don't have to spend a whole lot of money at the quarterback position just yet. So I do think they're going to move on from Adam Gase and they're probably going to start a new chapter here. As long as they get the first pick, you're probably looking at Trevor Lawrence. I don't see the Jets being in a situation where they're going to trade down. They have a whole of draft picks and they got a lot in that Jamal Adams trade. So I do think Lawrence is probably the direction they'll go. Well, do you think that
0: that Darnold could be a franchise guy in another place where it's maybe a more stable franchise with with better talent? Because I, I, yeah, I do
1: personally. I do. I don't think Sam's been given a fair shake in New York. I don't think he's had all of his weapons together at one time. And remember, he's gone through multiple coaches here. So I don't think he's been in the most stable situation. Darnold's going to get a job somewhere else. You know, he might start out as a backup, but there's an opportunity out there for Darnold. I'm sure some team is going to need him. And he'll get another shot at this. Whether or not he's going to be a franchise quarterback, I don't know. But. You you heard some people say, well, he might turn out to be another Matt Liner. That could be true, you know, where he's in the broadcast booth in another few years. But, you know, what I would say is I would say Darnell will probably get another shot. Some team might sign him on the cheap for a quarterback who's progressing through his rookie contract. But at the same time, I think he'll get another chance somewhere.
0: Who do you think is the best rookie quarterback out of all the ones that we've seen start so far?
1: It's probably too early to judge, too. I'm very impressed with Justin Herbert. Yeah, yes, I agree. So He looks phenomenal. Yeah. I would say Justin Herbert, out of all of them, probably has the most upside right now. Listen, I mean, it could be a situation. So you look at the NBA. Zion was hurt, and then he had a strong finish, and you might say Zion was the best rookie out there towards the end of the year. Even though John Morant looked great, so I'm looking at that from an NFL standpoint, and from an NFL standpoint, right now, I'm optimistic that Herbert's got the biggest upside. But we might say to a at The end of the year, but Dolphins are a pretty good team, they're not bad, they're a playoff contender, so it could be him. But right now, I would go with Justin Herbert.
2: Dolphins mm-hmm. being a playoff, con- I don't think anybody saw that one coming at the beginning of the season. No, Dolphins this, being what, five and three, second place in the division.
1: Times have changed in the <laughs> AFC East. Look at the Bills knocking off the Seahawks. The Bills have been looking for a statement win like that for the last couple of years. You know, the question with Sean McDermott was, could he? get his team a big win and not only did he get a big win but he's certainly impressed now I know Seattle's defense isn't that great but you look at the Bills and you look at the things that are going on in the AFC East right now I think you can probably kick dirt on the Patriots this year even though they beat the Jets but you know you can make the argument right now that the Bills and then the Dolphins are the top two teams in the AFC East
0: yeah absolutely definitely a, a change there so in terms of Joe Judge I want to move up, move back to New York a little bit The team isn't winning, but they seem to be playing really hard and developing. Have you been impressed by the head coach?
1: I love Joe Judge. I love Joe Judge. I think the players – so I think the issue with the Giants is this. I think the issue with the Giants is right now probably more about the roster that Dave Gettleman has assembled, and I think the Giants are doing the best they can with the pieces that they have. What I look for is intensity more than anything else, and I look for fourth-quarter leads – And I think those are two things that the Giants have had. Now, you look at the Giants' record, they could very easily have three or four more wins. I think it's a matter of the fact that they probably don't have the personnel that other teams have. I think they're raw. I think judge is probably learning on the job a bit as a head coach, but look who he's learned from. He's learned from Bill Belichick and he's learned from Nick Saban and he inspires the team. You can see he motivates the team. He's diving in the mud during practice with the team. He has life, he has energy. So I think once the giants get the players and it might mean moving on from Dave Gettleman, which would be interesting because if Daniel Jones ever comes to fruition, we've seen flashes, but there's been a lot of inconsistency. you're going to tie that back to Dave Gettleman and if Joe judge becomes a good coach, you're going to tie that back to Gettleman too, but it's a matter of what Gettleman has done with the rest of a roster. But I, I think Joe Judge has a bright future, and I think once the Giants get some players, I think you're going to see a lot of these fourth quarter leads which they've blown, unless they play Washington every week, which is impossible. But a lot of these fourth quarter leads which they've blown, I think those are going to turn into wins. So I think he's more of the solution and not the problem.
2: They did, they did come really close to beating the Bucks. It was, yeah, uh, what 24, 22 or something.
1: Yeah, and I thought they could have won the game without that late late penalty. Yeah, 25. And that was a ticky tack penalty, I thought, in the end zone that you know, that didn't in my mind it didn't decide the game. The Giants had other opportunities. You have a lead like that at home down the stretch. You shouldn't have to rely on a call like that. But to me, it's more about the program that a guy like Joe Judge is building. And they're leading in the fourth quarter. I just think they need some better talent to make some plays, and I think they'll be there.
2: Now You mentioned the Giants, of course, and, of course, Daniel Jones' inconsistency. Do you see the
1: Giants drafting another quarterback under Joe Judge, or do you think they could go another route? You know, I'll say this. I think it's too early to pull the plug on Jones. Hmm. Uh, The Giants aren't going to – unless you're talking about Trevor Lawrence – which the Giants aren't going to get. They're going to have too many wins. I think the Giants are going to pick off a couple of more wins here. They'll probably end up going, I would say, 4-12 and 12 or maybe 5-11. Who knows? You know, they got a shot at making some noise that they win this week against Philadelphia. You, know, you they'll go 5-11, you, you might win the NFC East, too. You could. Yeah, and very great. Listen, yep. and get a home game in the playoffs, right? So, I mean, listen, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. You got to win the division. Um, I think the Giants are so depleted at other positions, you know, I still like to see some help. It's the same story with the Giants to me every year. I think, you know, they do need some playmakers at the wide receiver position. Golden Tate has been a massive disappointment. I mean, the way Golden Tate was sold to the Giants fans, well, he's going to come in and talent-wise be another Odell Beckham Jr. And now he's giving you headaches like Odell Beckham Jr. did. He's probably half the player in terms of that. You know, how's Saquon Barkley going to bounce back at running back? Devontae Freeman, I don't think, is a long-term solution because he's fragile. But, you know, you need Saquon Barkley to pick it up a little bit in the pass-blocking game. And how's he going to bounce back from an ACL injury? It's a severe ACL injury and he's going to have a payday coming off you're going to have to take care of him, too. So that's another issue the Giants have. They're going to have to pay Barkley. But my point is the Giants need some playmakers, and they need a little bit more of a pass rush on defense, too. I like what I see from a guy like Blake Martinez. Um, I think the Giants yeah. have done a good yeah, job. Exactly. in their- Great pick. Yeah. So I think the Giants, I think they've shown signs of improvement on defense, but at the same time, I still think they need so much more. I don't know if Daniel Jones is the issue yet. I'd probably give him another season because he has shown some flashes. He's got a strong arm. He can run fairly well. I just think he needs some better pieces around him before you can fairly judge him.
0: Last football one for me,
1: Super Bowl pick. Ooh. Right now, at this point. You know, I was going to say the Bucks until they got walloped by the Saints. Yeah, I
3: was. I was thinking that last week
1: myself.
2: Bucks, Bucks never had a chance of making it. Not with, not with a washed quarterback. Okay, Saints <laughs> fan.
1: You know, I, I was going to say the Bucks. You know, and then, you know, the Packers. The Packers have been inconsistent. They've had a couple of big wins. Oh boy, I would say, I would say in the NFC, what scares me about the Seahawks is their defense. But as long as Russell Wilson is performing at such a high level, I'm kind of leaning towards the Seahawks right now in the NFC. I don't think anybody out of the NFC East is going to take it. You know, I would say I'm taking a look and I'd probably say the Seahawks are the Saints out of the NFC. And I think, you know, how can you not go with the Chiefs in the AFC? How can you not at this point? I just I think the Chiefs, you look at Patrick Mahomes and he's just a man among boys out there. And what other team out there is going to put out a quarterback that's going to be like him in a big situation. So I just, and they're the defending champion. So I would go, I would go the Saints or Seahawks in the NFC and I'd go the Chiefs in the AFC. And I'm going with the Chiefs again to repeat. I know that seems like an easy choice, but that's where I'm leaning right now.
2: Mm-hmm. And so it's a fair choice. They've looked just as good this year as they have in years past. I mean, it's hard to pick against them right now.
1: Yeah, I that's that's where I'd lean. I, you know, I'd like to see. I don't know if the Bills are totally for real yet. I have to see the Bills go deep into the playoffs. They beat the Seahawks. That was an incredibly big win for Buffalo. But how much further can they go? And then, you know, I look around the league. Listen, Pittsburgh, you know, I left out Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's undefeated right now. I think Pittsburgh, if they get a home game and if they play the Chiefs in the AFC championship game, how can you rule out the Steelers? So, you know, I'm leaning towards the Chiefs, but maybe the Steelers come out of the AFC. They look as dominant as if I've ever seen them now. So, mm-hmm. And then you need a winner. Uh, so, yeah, the Chiefs. And then if the Chiefs if the Chiefs don't win, I'm assuming the Steelers will be there in their place, and I'd probably take the Steelers right now.
3: Hmm. Very interesting. All right. Um, we talked about football. We talked about baseball. I want to move on to basketball. As you know, The New York Knicks, they they are just dysfunctional as ever. But once again, you can say we're going into a season with kind of a a new era. Leon Rose is the man man at the top. They just hired a new head coach. What are your thoughts on Tom Thibodeau, what he'll bring to the team? And what do you think the Knicks will do with the number eight pick?
1: Well, I think I'll start with the second question. You know, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk. Will the Knicks, can the Knicks trade up to number two? The Warriors have the number two, right? And right now, LaMelo Ball actually dropped in a lot of mock drafts and he's going to the Warriors. Can the Knicks be in a situation where they trade up to get the number two? There'd be a lot involved in trying to get that pick. So that's the first thing. You know, I do think the Knicks need a point guard. They need a point guard more than anything else. So, you know, I think that's the area of focus for the Knicks right now. But I will say in terms of Tom Thibodeau, I grew up, I grew up on those Knicks teams of the early to mid 90s where they were in game seven every year and they were never able to seal the deal, whether it was against the Bulls, whether it was against the Rockets, the year Michael Jordan retired, whether it was against the Heat. The Knicks had so many good teams. And Tom Thibodeau was on Jeff Van Gundy's staff after Pat Riley. And Thibodeau, I'll tell you what, with Thibodeau, you're going to get a guy that's going to work the team hard. You saw the turnaround he had in Chicago, you saw the turnaround he had in Minnesota. You're going to get a guy that's going to preach defense. He's disciplined. I like the fact that Mike Woodson is back on the staff. You know, the most success the Knicks have had in recent years when Mike Woodson was the head coach of the team. So I like the fact that he has a seasoned staff and I'm willing to give a guy like Leon Rose a chance. It's not going to turn around in one or two years. It's going to take a while. But I think as a Knicks fan, what you want to see right now is you want to see direction and you want to see them get to a point where you can get those big-time free agents here. You know, it's not like it was in the early to mid-'90s when players would come to New York or tease coming to New York because they have marketing opportunities here. It's a very small world with social media now. And I think players coming into the right situation is just as important as it is coming into a big market like New York. You know, players might say, well, I can be in a place like Milwaukee or I could be in a place uh, where I'm not going to get as much criticism and we can win. Right. So I think it's important right now for the Knicks more than anything to build a winning culture, a culture that relies on defense more than anything else, a culture that is fundamentally sound where there's no drama. Hopefully Dolan can stay out of it and let the basketball people actually run the show right now. I think his lifespan and doing that is probably about two years before he gets impatient and starts to meddle again but I think you're rebuilding the culture here more than anything else and I would hope in about two or three years you see the Knicks in a position maybe where they can get to about 45 to 50 wins and be somewhat competitive when you're talking about the Atlantic division but it's not going to happen overnight
0: are you a fan of the quick fix and trading for a guy like Chris Paul or Westbrook or you think they should let the process go until maybe those next wave of younger free agents come about so that
1: they, they can I just, shine. I, I don't think the Knicks, I think, listen, I think if the Knicks were a player to away, then yes, the Knicks aren't a player to a way right now. That's the thing. So I don't know. I don't know how worth it is to make a deal in a situation where you're going to need so much more than that if they were in a situation where they were winning 40 to 45 games and they needed one more piece I would say fine you know go make a move like that but I just think there's so much to do right now I think you have to build a culture and I think you build the culture through the draft and I think you build it with basketball people who know what they're doing they take on the right contracts they make the right decisions they pick the right young players and they build the team that way so I would stay away from the quick fix right now. I just don't think the Knicks are there quite yet. Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned, of course, the Knicks and the draft. I want to ask you about the draft. Who do you think goes number one, and who is your personal premier player? LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards? You know, I, I still think so. There are a lot of mock drafts out there that have LaMelo Ball flowing a bit. I still think LaMelo Ball is number one right now. <laughs> More than anything else you know i look at this draft and there aren't a lot of names so you look at drafts in previous years and there are a lot of these top really you know sexy names more than anything else this draft in my mind is more about balance than anything else i think you have some depth from one through ten i don't know if there are many names aside from ball that are going to get your attention but what i do think is i do think is you can do just as well at eight nine or ten as you could probably do at two or three right now, so I'm not necessarily sure if the Knicks can't get Lamelo Ball at two, and they have people that know where he might fall more than I do. If you can't get him at two, I don't know if I'd make a move and try to trade everything I can to get the number two pick in the draft. I actually think you could do just as well as where they are right now, as opposed to trading up.
2: You got something? Uh, yeah, with the I wanted to go to the other the other New York uh, basketball team. You know, we, we heard a lot of talk last offseason about how good the Nets were supposed to be, but you know, we've still yet to see Kyrie and KD play together and they they've got a new coach. Uh, so you know, how do you how are you feeling about the Nets this upcoming season?
1: I, I'll tell you what. I mean, it's it's very interesting. It's very interesting what they did with their head coaching position, but it seems to be that teams, not only in basketball, are going more towards first-time head coaches and managers, so we'll see. It was very interesting. Kyrie Irving, his remarks were very interesting about Steve Nash, how he's going to be more of a collaborator with the team. You almost got the sense that Irving thinks Nash is going to be more of a passive participant than he's actually going to be a head coach, but You know, you look at their staff. What are they at? Amari Stoudemire, right? Mike D'Antoni. Well, you know, you're not bringing Mike D'Antoni in for defense. I can tell you that. You know, as a Knicks fan, and that was his biggest issue with the Rockets where he basically stays out of the huddle when they're diagramming defensive plays. You know, listen, I'm very wary about Kyrie Irving in a situation where he has to lead. I'm very wary about him popping off and being distracted now apparently Kevin Durant Kevin Durant's playing ball and he's looking pretty good for what I understand if you're looking at a one-two punch talent wise I think they're as good as anybody in the league but you know I kind of look at the Nets it's interesting I kind of look at the Nets in the NBA like I look at the Buffalo Bills you know I'll believe it when they get to the Eastern Conference Finals more than anything else talent wise I think they have the right mix if Durant's healthy. I just I worry about Kyrie Irving melting down in a bit in a big spot more than anything else. And can Durant stay healthy after a severe injury? You know, I remember Patrick Ewing had an injury like this. And when Patrick Ewing came back from that injury, I know there are different types of players. But Patrick Ewing tore at ACL, too, or it was an Achilles Patrick Ewing tore. And um, he wasn't the same player. And it took a while for him to even get back to the level he was close to. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, Kevin Durant looks good in pickup games right now, but how's Kevin Durant going to be when he goes for about 35 to 40 minutes on that leg, you know, trying to, Recover from a serious injury like that, but I do think from a winning standpoint right now, because Nets and Knicks fans, you know, they have that age-old argument in New York. Well, it's a Knicks town, but the Nets are winning and they're flying under the radar. If you're looking at teams that are better positioned to win, I'm think the Nets are definitely more positioned to win now than the Knicks are. The Knicks have a lot of work to do. So from a talent standpoint, I think the Nets can be competitive, be near the top of the Atlantic Division.
2: Uh, who do you think comes out on top of the uh, of the East? Because there's a lot of you know the the West. It's probably going to be Lakers or Warriors. In the East, there's a lot of teams that could be contending.
1: Oh, listen, I was surprised by how far Toronto went last year without Kawhi Leonard. Don't sleep on the Sixers. You know, Daryl Morey's coming in, and he's going to find a way. I think he's going to find a way based on his track record to make that work. So the teams I'm looking at in the Eastern Conference right now, I'm still taking the Raptors seriously. Obviously, the Bucks with Giannis. And then I think the Sixers... With new basketball people in place, I think the Sixers have a chance to turn it around. I really do. So those would be my three that I'm leaning towards right now. I think the Nets, if everything falls right, the Nets could be in a situation where they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yet I think it's going to take a little while for Durant and Irving to gel. But, you know, those are the three teams that I'm looking at in the Eastern Conference. I still think even though Stan Van Gundy's down in New Orleans, Zion's going into a second year, I still think they're a few pieces away from doing any real damage Oh, Miami how could you count out Miami they go to the NBA finals last year I think they raised some eyebrows and surprised some people so I'd have to put them in that mix too so if I'm looking at the Eastern Conference you know, you throw Miami into the other three that I mentioned that's probably where I'm leading right now I don't know how you can't really say the Bucks and the Heat would probably be the favorites at this point given how they ended last year so that's probably where I would go
3: just to be clear you're not taking the Knicks no. <laughs> no. all right no. last Talk
0: question before, before I we wrap mind. up uh, we talk about it a lot on the show. We always do. In two words, who is the best player that's, that's ever played in the NBA?
1: Cool. Michael Jordan. Thank, you. Yeah. Thank you. Michael Jordan. I mean, you know. It's, it's three so, on one here. Noah, you know, Noah's you know LeBron he, guy. You
3: don't need to first. Just look at the picture behind him.
1: But, you know, <laughs> listen, listen. I mean, everybody, everybody wants to make it a competition, right? And it's very refreshing okay. to hear you guys who are probably about 15 years younger than me Know be in favor of Michael Jordan of a knock on Michael Jordan and going undefeated in the finals. Well, who did the Bulls really play, right? You know they didn't really get pushed in any of those series. They were leaps and bounds better than the teams that they played. But just I've never seen a player as complete as Michael Jordan in terms of being a scorer. Now LeBron does a lot of different things. LeBron he's more of a penetrator than Jordan was. He might be more of a facilitator. Jordan was more of a sharpshooter. But, you know, in my mind, in my mind, it's Jordan based on what I've seen. But you know what? You get guys from the 70s and they might say, Wilt, and you get guys who might say, well, it was Bill Russell? I I think, guys, you know, as we talk about best players, I think it's more about an era that you grew up in than anything else. And I think every era, every fan of every era that's watched a team has a case to make for any player that they've seen more than anything else. I think it's more about errors now than it is individual players yeah. who are the best to play the game.
0: Well put. Uh, That's going to do it for us. We got, we're out of time. Uh, So thank you so much, Seth, for coming on. You're our first ever guest. So you'll always have that honor and you'll be recognized for that. Um, Thanks
3: again for coming on. It's been great having you. For Noah, Jack, Dean, and Aiden, this has been Agree to Disagree.